Amused Boosh is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Some people get around that. I don't know how they do it. I can't do it. It's witchcraft. I checked. Hi, everyone. My name is Jen. My name is Abby. And this is Amuse Boosh. In the studio with us tonight, a very special guest. We have been trying to get you in here for, for a, a long minute. time, Paul. It feels Some like. scheduling conflicts, but uh, we're here. As it seems to go here uh, in this era. But uh, Paul Manley, owner-partner at High Tide Hospitality, thank you much for uh, joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm super excited to be here, for sure. Oh, man. Abby, some heavy hitters in the culinary world here under the sky's yeah. tutelage. Uh, I would say ace number three, Waterman and Sea Level. Yep. Those C- are the Sea yep. Level and Sea, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to start because those are three. Like, we, I think I saw something even today in, and this is obviously like past the date, but um, I saw it on different. like Axios or something. They were yeah. featuring like the best um, surf and turf. It was just a, today? I think I saw it today. Mm. I'll have to find it. You're so popular. You're like, oh, just today. They I'm never just, They're talking eating. about me. I mean, they're the just f- constantly. The funny thing about Axios is um, my uh, the way that we start our day, my wife and I, is she is out of bed with her phone on, in her hand right away, and I can't stand looking at my phone. So she literally <laughs> leads, reads me Axios oh, every morning. I love it. That's and a, so she's that's like, oh, great you guys are in here though. today. So. Yeah. But I did, but yeah, that didn't pop up. It might have been Charlotte Five or something. Yeah. I don't, one of, one of those that came into my inbox, and I Scoop saw you Charlotte. guys, uh, and I was like, oh, we're talking to that guy later today. Yeah. So that's super. That <laughs> that's was fun awesome. for me to see. I mean, this was a big deal for me because I really enjoy Ace Number Three. It's my favorite burger in Charlotte. Cool. So Thank to hear you. that you were, I was just like, oh yeah, let's do this. Uh, let's and talk we were about given this. some delicious swag uh, yeah. Yeah, by we way were. of uh, hats and visors. Hats and visors, not burgers, visor. but this is the teaser. That's right. Right. Here's your swag. Go eat a burger. That's right. <laughs> I feel like it's going to taste better if I wear it while well, I'm You go you in there with a the little back? attitude with that thing on and it'd be ah, like, oh, this lady knows what around. she's doing. Look she's at the back? serious. Yeah. She's not looking. She's not registering. Oh, it does it? have the name on the back, but that's kind of a yeah. cheater thing. Yeah, you don't okay. need to have that. You that's what you need it. You can just rock the three on People the front. People that know, know. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Paul, so we're here to talk about you. You have been a fixture here in the Charlotte community for many years now. Obviously, you've had quite a cadence of restaurants popping up uh, under your name with High Tide Hospitality. So we would love to know just to get started, you know, how how did you get your foot in the door within the the food industry? Was this something that was always the path for you? What was your background? Well, yeah, I mean, when do you when you get old, you kind of you've done something for a long time. So, <laughs> so that's me right now. But um, he's twenty two. Don't let him fool you. Uh, let me tell you, it's a tough twenty two years. <laughs> I have not aged well at all. Um, I was in. I was uh, when everybody else went to college. I was a ski bum in Colorado, and so um, the only thing I cared about when I was a kid was was being a professional skier or being a competitive skier. So I literally just did that and. Uh, as soon as I graduated from high school in Connecticut, I moved out west and um, created this uh, this ski bum life out there for uh, about seven years. And so when you're in that world, you look for ways to make money at night so you can ski all day. Mm. And you're looking for ways to make uh, good money so you don't have to work during the day and you can sure. do what you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyways, I ended up in the in the food and beverage business and um, was bartender at night and just killing it, loving it. And, um, and so I stumbled into like lots of people do into the hospitality industry. And, uh, then when I decided like, Oh, I should probably grow up now. Um, <laughs> Why though? Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Reality hits at some point in time. True. So, um, I decided that I really loved the business, the industry that I was in and I wanted to learn kind of how to be a professional in it too. So I kind of went into management and followed a path of, of um, working for small individuals. We talked about Tyler, Texas. Yeah. I opened and operated Rick's on the Square in Tyler, Texas, uh, which is still there today, still by the way. Go check 30. it out. You told us what kind of place it is. Tell us again. It's a blues bar and grill. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so I don't I mean, know if I it's still a blues bar and grill. I don't know how much live music he has now, but uh, it was uh, a staple in East Texas of, uh, of, uh, of blues, live blues and good bar, bar food and like stuff. I would Live go there right now. Can you food, yeah, I'm here for that. Open that place here. I feel like yeah, it would it do well. It was cool. And plus, it was neat to be kind of, that was the only time I've ever been really engulfed in kind of the music business mm, as well, yeah. booking bands and that kind of stuff. And Rick, uh, he was a chain-smoking, <laughs> uh, 
you know, East Texan through and through, and he just loved to negotiate with all the bands. So that his job was to book the talent. My job was to buy and sell the beer. I so. got to know how many nights were line dance nights? At least three. No, because, it, you know, it, that's when, you know, there was a, there's a really great blues culture in Texas. And so it was all these different Gary Pinon and just kind of all these um, different talents that came from, you know, uh, Austin we talked about yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and from Louisiana too, we'd get some like um, uh, Zydeco bands out of yeah. Louisiana oh, yes. and stuff. So it was, it was cool. That's it was awesome. neat. Um, but, uh, but I kind of stumbled into the business that way. Decided that I really loved it. I, I, I felt like I was pretty good at parts of it, and I wanted to learn how the big companies did it. And so I went into the corporate world, and I was in the corporate world for probably 15 years or so hmm. and moved around a lot and kind of grew my career. Um, I was a, the last corporate job-ish was um, I was the chief operating officer for a company out of Charleston, and we were um, and then I took a job another job in Charlotte and that job was terrible. Um, but I was traveling a lot and that kind of stuff, but I needed to be in the Southeast in a city with a good airport Mm, and traveling through Charlotte. Um, when I I had, I was in Richmond for a while and then I was in Charleston and I just kind of, we just meet him in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. We just really loved the city and it was just seemed like things were starting to happen here and, and it was a good place to raise kids and our kids were, you know, coming into school age and stuff. So we settled on Charlotte mainly because of the airport yep. and, and just seemed like a cool place to, to start our lives. What our year was lives. this? Give us the, the time. That right. was, we moved here in 06. Okay. So, um, so that was right on the cusp of when things were Yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. And so um, I had this crappy job and I was traveling and a buddy of mine, and I, I wanted to kind of eventually go to work for myself. I'd always wanted to do that. I tried once in the late 90s in Denver, and it didn't work out all that well. Learned a lot, but we yeah. we didn't do well with the restaurant. And um, a buddy of mine, Jeff Tony Dandel, uh, we knew because we both hated my employer <laughs> that I, I worked with. He was in the NASCAR business, and I was in the restaurant business, and we were fool in, foolish enough to sponsor a race car. So, awesome. so, anyways, so we met, and and then he uh, quit his job and traveled Europe and all that kind of stuff, and came back and asked me, you know, do you want to start? Will you start a restaurant with me? And that's Jeff and Jamie over in Noda, and the first restaurant that we did together was Crepe Cellar. Yeah, and so that's, I've heard of it. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah. <laughs> Best but, Brussels sprouts I've ever had. We talked about Brussels sprouts earlier, uh, right? Some of those best. were my. I think the first Brussels sprouts I ever had as a grown up, and they they'll never. Be I felt like we yeah. were on the front end of that Brussels sprout. Yeah, really I think were. that's absolutely so we, true. We, we were proud of that. Yeah, um, but that was my first um, back into ownership um, uh, here in Charlotte, and that's where we began. And then um, we did uh, Growler's Poorhouse, which was yes. which yeah. was a great project. At the same time, I own I started. Pearl's Oyster Bar down in Charleston. Yeah. yeah, I didn't own the first one, but I put that brand together, and that part of my career is when I learned how to fall in love with the creative part of the business. Yes. the understanding the human elements and the and the overall experience, not just running a playbook, but actually creating a experience yeah. and falling in love with just all the you know lighting and music and touch and feel and plateware and and what people think and the sensations that people have for different dining experiences and stuff so and then i had a i opened another pearls oyster bar that i owned in columbia and so i was just kind of making my way in the ownership game um and didn't have a lot of money but was trading you know time and talent for for ownership here and there and and horse trading if you will love it (laughs) And um, and then, but in the back of my mind, from the oyster, from the oyster experience at Pearls, I really wanted to. Um, I really was interested in going down this road of this farm to fork oyster bar and seafood restaurant. Yeah. So to grow oysters on the Carolina coast, which mm-hmm. I learned from an oyster buddy um, that was one of the best estuaries on the East Coast to grow oysters, and didn't know that. And then wow. I wanted to have an oyster bar in Charlotte. So. I kind of went on this five-year journey of trying to put this whole idea together and learning about oyster growing and doing farm tours and doing all this stuff, and then um, and and partnered up with a farmer from uh, sea level North Carolina, and um, so 
that made us uh, so develop that relationship and and um, help them develop what a half shell is, what we're looking for mm-hmm. in a half shell. Yes. And then fast forward to uh, it, them getting it to a, a certain point where that we could um, do a house oyster at a restaurant, and then that's when I kind of cashed in all my all my Nota chips <laughs> and um, and uh, went for it at sea level, and that's what that was really the beginning of high tide hospitality, as we as we call ourselves now. And, and sea level is uptown, right? It is. Yeah, yeah I right remember on, going right, right after it had first opened. So yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm ready to go back um, after we're yeah. talking about this now is. So when sea level becomes its own little being, have you already established high tide hospitality? No. So, I mean, it's just a, it's the name of my management company, yeah. basically. Well, the reason I ask is because I just want you to share the kind of tagline for that or like the vision. When I go to the website, it, it just kind of encapsulates what I really enjoy about kind of what I think is your perspective mm-hmm. about the restaurants that you have under your umbrella. High Tide Hospitality is a Charlotte-based restaurant group operating on the belief that a rising tide lifts all ships. And I just love that. <laughs> so we we ended up with the name of High Tide because, you know, part of when you get into this business and you're, you know, you're focused on, you know, raising capital and building a building and then hiring people and then not screwing it up and trying to serve and create experience and all that kind of stuff, you realize kind of the byproduct of this industry is growing um careers and relationships and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the biggest uh, time pieces for my job now, and also one of the biggest rewards is seeing people grow yeah. and watching people flourish from, um, you know, whatever you can offer them as a mentor or as a company or as an employer, um, you know, how they can grow from that. So we, we enjoy that part of the business. That's a big part of our culture. We try to pr- promote from within as much as possible. Yeah. Um, we have about 350 people that work for us now and we just had an orientation, um, last week and we had seven people that were all in management orientation and they all came from within. So they all, and it was just one of my favorite orientations I've ever had because we were able to look around the room and kind of see, you know, these people that started as a host or a dishwasher or a cook or whatever yeah. and they've kind of and they've gone into management and, yeah uh, well, it's, home, been a lot of fun. it's homegrown you know kind of yeah. in the same way that you have this connection to where the oysters are are raised and, right. and then you know maybe they're, they're they're making their own little pearls that's what i was gonna say <laughs> oh my god you're mind. creating these little pearls i love it um that's fantastic so we're talking about sea level which um can you give us just a high level of like what what is on the features at, at yeah sea so level? it it the whole idea is it is a, a it's a Farm to Fork Carolina Seafood Oyster Bar, and it celebrates what we have to offer in the Carolina, not only the coast, but from farms and whatnot. So yeah. we rely heavily on fresh lists like most other yeah. chefs in town do, which is such a phenomenal asset. And then we also have uh, several different vendors that we get fresh uh, line-caught seafood coming in from the coast. So about a third of the menu is created daily based on what we can get from farms and what we can get from the coast, and we rely also very heavily on on responsibly farmed fish as well. We have some phenomenal farms in in the Carolinas, so we really try to showcase all that in a sort of a little bit of an upscale environment in Uptown. Um, so that's I guess that's the basis of yeah. what that is. Well, you know, I saw that I think this was the, the thing that I saw posted today, or maybe I followed a rabbit hole of sorts. Is there an oyster happy hour? We do. Oh my yeah. God! Tell me. So yeah. tell me about that because I'm going to need to work that into my regular rotation. <laughs> right. So two to so sea level is it same hours of both of them? I should know these things better than I do. Oh, there, there's two locations of sea level. No, there's one sea level and there's two watermen. Two watermen. Okay, so, got it. Um, but we do it from two to seven Monday through Friday, and we offer a dollar fifty uh, house oysters Very on cool. those days. Well, that's going to be half my diet from now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it should it's be. perfect for that gift. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, you clearly like. Estuary's doing great. So many oysters coming in. You're like, let's open up another restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of the path of the new oyster bar is we have to go to the farm first and say, when can you get to scale so mm. we can grow? Because yeah. um, it, you know, it takes them. Let's say you do a great job on negotiating a lease. It's still going to take a year by the time that you sign that thing to the time that the door is open. Yeah. Most likely. Some people get around that. I don't know how they do it. I can't do it's it. It's witchcraft. So. I checked. Yeah. So. Anyway, so, um, but we have to go to the farm first and see that they can scale yeah. and to keep up with our growth, and um, and they've been phenomenal at it. So uh, that's where it starts, and then 
Um, but of the raw bar oysters that we sell, about 70% of them are from our house oyster. So we carry oysters from the east and west coast, and we do a lot of that kind of stuff, which is a lot of fun to bring in all different kinds of oysters, but mainly we sell ours. Is it true that oysters have a season, or is that just like a wives' tale? So oysters, um, it depends. Typically, you're if you're at a raw bar and you're ordering, you know, singles, which are, you know, and so that whole experience is a single oyster. Those are almost always farm raised, and um, and a farm, but you know, people have a, sometimes bad connotations of that. These are sitting in the ocean. Right. They're in an estuary. They're on the coastline. They're on a riverbed where the they're you know, doing their thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they're growing in cages or they're bottom grown. There's there's a ton of different ways, and it's real farming. Those you know they're out in the elements all day, and they're fighting the weather and the heat and the wind and you name it and hurricanes. Yeah. Um, so in that environment, there's typically there's not really a season. Mm-hmm. Um, you have growing seasons when they. Uh, they're growing in the warm weather, and then as the weather gets as the as the water gets colder, they go dormant. So there's times when the meat is fuller mm-hmm. uh, throughout the year, um, but um, months that end in R. This is what I keep hearing. So that so that there's a couple pieces with that. Okay. One of them is that's a pre-refrigeration thing. Okay. So in the summertime, the oysters couldn't travel anywhere. Like right. you could get them out of bad. the coast, but then you're going to eat them that day, yeah. right? The biggest consumer at the turn of the century, of the turn to, of the 20th century, of oysters was Chicago. Hmm. And so they had to get on rails to go there. And when you eat oysters now at a raw bar and you see that they'll, they'll decorate it with seaweed, that whole thing is from packing oysters with seaweed to try to get them to, the, to oh, Chicago. Oh. So any kind of travel that it did, they would pack them in these crates with seaweed and hope for the best. Okay. In the summertime, they would make them. Right. That's where the R thing came from. And there was, there's a ton of oversight now. So all the waters that anybody harvests oysters from, whether it be wild or uh, farmed, um, they're all monitored. So if you get a certain amount of rain, you have to shut it down. If there's, a, there's you know, places looking for red tide or any sort of yeah. um, things like that. So the chances of getting bad oysters is super, super slim. doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but... Um, but it's very, very rare. Yeah. It's more happen. It'll happen more in vegetables than it will in in oysters. Well, you heard it here first, yeah. folks. Yeah. Well, so I think so. I I went to school in um, in Virginia on the coast, and I had some some friends that worked with. Gosh, what was the name of it? The Chesapeake Bay something. Uh, Rappahannock River guys. Those guys are. I'm um, not. Sh- I'll have to go back and look. But it was. It was instilled in me that it was more, it was less about the quality or the fear of getting a bad one than it was about sustainability and making sure that we are consuming this resource responsibly. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've mentioned, obviously, that the farmed connotation is, is sort of a, a yucky word for some people. But is there a concern about this resource being depleted inappropriately? Or is that part of that anymore? Is that a little bit outdated? No, not really. I mean, it's a, it's, it is a big concern. And that's where... Um, oyster farming is really one of the most sustainable forms of farming that you can be. There's a lot of carbon neutral farms out there because mm-hmm. oysters themselves do a phenomenal job of cleaning estuaries. That's yeah. what they do. They filter water, 50 gallons a day per oyster. So oh my God, they, yeah, they very constantly, yeah, they are, they're they, so delicious and efficient. <laughs> yes. Thank you. oyster. Um, and so, um, but when I was back when Chicago was eating all the oysters, they just had these massive trawlers that were just eating up our coastlines, just trashing our oyster beds and everything like that. And we lost a ton of really remarkable, um, you know, oyster beds and estuaries and and all that life, all that things that happen within an estuary to make sure that it's a healthy place. Mm-hmm. Oysters do a lot of the heavy lifting in that. And so when we lost that, uh, we lost a lot of other um, aspects of it. So, um, you know, wild oysters are something that we eat too, for sure. Uh, but there are certain times and there's, there are certain seasons where it's okay to harvest them and to, and other times to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that R thing gets, you know, mixed in together between those two things. Yeah. But I think that, um, you know, it's mainly about, um, you know, the relationship between the coastline and you won't find an oyster farmer that is not super passionate about whatever's happening on yeah. that coastline too. So 
you know, like Texas is a great example. Texas is a great coastline of Gulf. Did oysters. you know that? Did you hear that I'm Abby's from Texas? From Texas? I'm from there. Are you kidding me? Uh, I know. <laughs> wow. I know. I He's in on never, it now. <laughs> never guess that. Um, but a oyster out of Galveston Bay in in October when they open up those those beds for the mm-hmm. f- for the season are amazing. Yeah. But they are responsible enough to close them down and say we got to leave it alone for that time and and yeah. all that stuff. So. There's a lot to it, but it is just a there is a great healthy relationship. There's also a ton of people that are working hard on rebuilding coastlines mm. with old shells. There's the Billion Oyster Project out of New York that they're rebuilding like the rivers around uh, New York and New Jersey and stuff like that with oyster shells that were completely decimated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I usually use the months that end in R rule um, to fuel motivation to eat as many oysters as I can right before New Year's Eve. That's right. So, like, this is it. This is the I time. I mean, I remember last year, like, you were on it. I was in Miami, and I found, like, a beautiful Rob. I have no idea what the name of it was, but they had some sort of, like, happy hour special, and I put down a remarkable amount of oysters. Yeah. So, and you're trying to eat oysters on New Year's Eve? So, like... December months okay. of end and R and then January like that's the end of it so it's like the last the last hurrah but not yeah. anymore not anymore yeah. now, not I can, anymore. now I can go it and was it my was excuse actually anyway months with an R in it not that end really yeah. so January yeah. is one yeah. February is one yeah. March have an April, April. April March have I had this wrong you, May, the whole June, time July. months that have R in it yes Oh, man. There's so many more months. Oh, there's like man. only three now. You, you know, don't have there's a lot of people that have that wrong because I'm not oh, the yeah. only person that's that's made that mistake. Right. I've heard it. Holy crap. This is a whole revelation. All right. Like, let's. Can we just like but, pause here and just process this for a minute, just take a gonna, quick commercial break, and then I've, come back? <laughs> I'm going to need to rethink all of my food choices yeah. here in the last... I hate. I just ruined your New Year's Eve. I'm sorry. No, you might have made it better. Honestly. We'll talk about it. The party never stops now. <sighs> Choo-choo oyster train. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll take a break. If you think or know you had COVID-19, you can be around others after 10 days since symptoms first appeared and after 24 hours with no fever without fever-reducing medication and after other symptoms have improved. If you have tested positive for COVID-19 and you had no symptoms, you can be around others 10 days after you got tested for COVID-19. To learn more, visit cdc.gov slash coronavirus. You know, terroir, it plays a big, big role in oysters because you can take the exact same oyster, you can grow it five miles up the coast, and it'll it'll taste different because of that estuary. Yeah. It might be different than the the one that you're in. That's amazing. So yeah, there there uh, there is a lot of there is a lot to do that. Most of the oysters grown on the east coast. Are we are we going? Are we back? Oh yeah, we're back. We're totally we'll just back. Keep rolling. We rolling? Yeah yeah. yeah. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of the east coast coast oysters are one species. Well, there's only five species in the world. Oh my god, name them. Oh god. Yeah. Quiz time. Scientific Paul. name. Well, <laughs> all right. Uh, good lord. Uh, Virginicus. Um, That's a name you made up just now. I, believe. I, I can't even make it four more. Virginicus. Virginicus. Um, Kumamoto. Um, what's that one called? Balan. Um, what's funny is how I'm spelling these yeah, things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, there's two more. One's a small one in uh, up in the West Coast. Little Nugget. Got it. Little yeah, Nug. Okay. I can't remember. And there's one in New Zealand. So, but and then you have oh, thousands no. of. Varietals, which right. are taking one species Name and growing them in words. different places. <laughs> That's far enough. <laughs> um, so, but most of them on the East Coast are, are one species. But you think about you Virginicus? eating Virginicus. Virginicus. Ah, yes. so There's sense. a second word there. I don't know what it is. Chesapeake. <laughs> no, definitely not. I'm gonna look it up. But that's awesome. Yeah, no, that there's. A, but if there's... you eat an oyster, if you eat an oyster from Cape Cod, yeah. or New Brunswick, or Sea level North Carolina, it's going to be the same species. But it's wildly just, different. But wildly experience. different from wow. each other. Yeah. Are yeah. they, 
Is it mostly just like the the taste in, that you're getting, or what else is going to be different about it? The, the size vary between oh, yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Like how they grow, where they fullness. grow, um, how many years old they are. You can look at a shell and tell how oh, old it is. Like rings on a tree. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, how do you? What What are you looking for on the you're shell? You're looking for the hard stop is is basically a ridge on an oyster, and an oyster that you're eating from the Carolinas is typically going to be about a year and a half old, mm-hmm. maybe two years. An oyster that you're eating from New Brunswick. Um, or PEI is going to be up to five years old. Yeah. Okay. So, and you can see those hard lines on the bottom and the top of the shell. It's easier on the bottom shell. I love it. I remember going to New Orleans several years ago and getting Mm -hmm. oysters there that were dinner plates Mm -hmm. compared to the ones that we get or that that I was used to having in the coast of Virginia. Is that normal? Is this like... Is this like farm-grown chicken that's like just giant boobs? Like, no, I mean, those are wild oysters. So the great thing about oysters, too, is we have so many different oyster cultures throughout the U.S. If you go to Seattle, they have their very own type of culture. They have, they're very snooty about their oysters. It's a dress. So Why shocked. haven't my parents talked about this? <laughs> my they, mom's Her parents Seattle. are from Seattle. Oh, sorry. So, they're, you know, it's more of a... It's kind of a prestigious thing to eat oysters, I guess. Historically, yeah. was yes, and so and then you go to New Orleans, and it's just you know a bucket of oysters, a gallon of beer, and let's have at mm-hmm. it, right? And so yeah. and that was just because of the abundance of harvest and and wild oysters. And then on the East Coast, then you started getting into where the farming really started. Um, you started getting into those varietals and those kind of things. So you think about like a really fancy oyster bar, and you think about a really when you're rolled up, there's yeah. just so many different types of oyster experiences, and I think that's really cool. So when we put together Pearl's Oyster Bar 20 years ago, we kind of went to all these different regions. It was like, what is what really is a Southeast Oyster Bar? Yeah, so you can encapsulate that experience. Yeah, we learned something yeah. from New York and Seattle, and 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 I had spent some time in New Orleans, and um, and so we kind of, you know, that's. I feel like in the Southeast, we kind of encompass a lot of those type of things. Apalachicola is an, yeah. it's, its own, you know, unfortunately, they've been pretty much wiped out. But mm-hmm. um, they have their own oyster culture where it is a hut. It is a shack on the on the bay, and it yes. is, you know, creaky in there, and someone's <laughs> just chucking oysters yeah. and bring them to you. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a cool – there's such a great, cool subculture of oysters and oyster farmers and growers and – bullshitters and everything else that it's just I fell in love with the industry when I was putting that one brand together and that's kind of how I stumbled into the the oyster business I feel like we could do a whole separate episode on oysters because I'm this is I I take us to the farm I know for real we do we take staff out to the farm um we go out we try to go four times a year I have a minivan so I can take six (laughs) so I'm just saying Quite seriously, we might talk to you about that. Because that's something that I don't think either of us has experienced No, before. I mean, I'm a huge fan. Like, I, when I was a kid up in uh, the Pacific Northwest visiting my family, we used to go clam digging. Yeah. And that was, like, my only, like, shellfish experience. We went the crabbing time. there yeah, in, uh, yeah, yeah. in Eastern Virginia. Yeah. Yep. So I have fond memories of these little critters, you know, these little earthbound water yeah. critters. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really cool tour, and I love for people to be able to go there because... Uh, especially for people that are, especially for servers and bartenders, because they're the ones that are telling the story. They're the ones that are, you know, telling this piece of what makes us different. What yeah. is our story as a restaurant, right? And so um, it's really cool to watch that whole thing come full circle and see them at the table. And they're like, yeah, let me tell you about that. And it's really, it's it's a really, it's a special thing. Awesome. So I, I know there's passion around the seafood here mm-hmm. yeah. with the watermen and sea level. But what? I have passion around cows <laughs> yes. and milkshakes. <laughs> so I'd love for us to talk a little bit about what seems like a little bit of a departure from the kind of this vibe. Yeah, so we went, which egg came first? So we yeah. had sea level. Sea level. And then um, we wanted to build like more of a neighborhood version, uh, just a little more casual, a little sure. more neighborhood version of that. And there was this piece of real estate in South End with a rooftop, and we we're like, <laughs> that's, that's it one. already existed. Yeah. You didn't build it. It was no, just, no that oh, that wow. real that developer had built it, and I kept on driving by, going, God, whoever does that place is going to kill it up yeah. there. Oh yeah. Well, and I remember so, seeing it go up, and yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. But I had no idea it was. And that's like, the Waterman. That is the Waterman. Okay. The Excellent. Waterman Fish Bar. Now we opened a second one recently up in uh, Cornelius. Excellent. Um. So yeah. So that was number two, and that was just kind of let's take our passion for seafood and. The, and and um, the one more point that I want to make for seafood Absolutely. before we go to cows, all right, let's do it. <laughs> is um, as domestically we import about ninety five 
95% of the seafood that we consume as a nation, yeah, which wow. is a massive... That's a huge number. It's a trade deficit, right? Yeah. It's a massive yeah. trade deficit. But yeah, we have all these coastlines and we have all these mm. things in place. And we care about... Domestically, we have some good... Um, you know, environmental controls in place and things like that. But a lot of the places that we import our seafoods don't. And so, you know, there's, you know, if we eat a ton of, of Asian and, you know, Taiwanese and Chinese um, shrimp and seafood and things like that, that they don't have the same controls. And so it's a bit of an unfair match, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we are is we're 100% domestic seafood company. Oh, so we only fantastic. carry that. We will bring in salmon from... Uh, from Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and that's the only um, thing. And then also, lobster. Lobster don't care if they're swimming in the Gulf of Maine or if they're up in uh, of New Brunswick. <laughs> right. So they don't really. I'll care. eat them. I don't care. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it depends on where we're getting that. Yeah. But we'll only do trade with Canada too. So we don't. We won't bring anything in exotic or anything like that. Yeah. And we w- we could save money on shrimp a lot, but we don't. We just do domestic only. Yeah. On those that's things. awesome. So, anyway, so I don't know where we're going with that, but that yeah. was part of that that whole thing. So we um, transition to Waterman, a little bit more accessible, casual. Right, right. Uh, Come, it's not a special occasion thing. It's just a roll in. Yeah. You know, grab a dozen oysters, have a can of Narragansett, and and have a great Perfect. time. Don't mind so. if I do. Yeah. All right. Maybe here our at seven thirty. It's been made. <laughs> right. And then, um, and so, uh, just like most things we've done, we didn't plan much. We just <laughs> kind of stumble into things. You listen to the needs of the people. That's Paul. right. Well, <laughs> And my, I have a, a business partner, uh, Andrew Chapman, and um, we've been buddies for over 20 years. And we were like, we've always kind of, you know, wouldn't it be cool if this, that, and the other thing. And we've always had a, an idea of a burger place in the back of our mind. And um, and we didn't have any grand plans for it or anything like that. But then um, I met Siggy, which was, she was yes. over in Belmont. And I, I used and to go there all the time. And so, you know, when that... So you were the one that <laughs> was there all the time. It. it was me. Keep it yeah, going. It was amazing. <laughs> She's lovely. She's a friend of mine now. And um, but when she, when I read on Instagram that she was closing, mm-hmm. I went over and and hung out with her and spent some time. And then I just bought the business from her. Well, um, and she's my landlord. So she bought awesome. the. She was you know she built. She did a great job with buying that place and refurbing that mm-hmm. place. Just was the wrong concept at the yeah. wrong place at yep. the wrong mm-hmm. time. Right. So. Um, and we did not know what we were going to do with it. We just, I was like, I love that neighborhood. It's kind of nostalgic from my NOTA days. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love that area. I just it's all it's expanding really cool. from there exactly. anyway. Right, yeah. <laughs> so um, in our scientific research that we did was we basically stood out in front of the front door and people walked by and said, what do you wish this was? Yeah, And overwhelmingly, we had pizza and we had burgers. And we were like, well, Benny's is up the street selling these massive pies Try at 2 pies. o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that gig. And um, and we were like, well, let's 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 break out let's that burger, burger idea that we've had. So you really so. did listen to the needs of the people. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> the, fantastic! The, uh, Twelve out of sixteen that walked by—that's what they said. Yeah, Look, I, I mean, mean, you you if you build it, they will come. Look, if you ask me every hour of the day, what do you want right now? It's going to be pizza or burger, right. you know, most of it. And then by the end of I mean, the day, if you it might put be either of those in front of me, I'm probably going to be like, cool. I'm yeah, glad that's here right now instead of it not being here. Now, this is You're one of those things that no. I think a lot of people feel like pizza is good even when it's bad, mm. right? Like a lot of people it's are like, you know, it's still It's hard to really pizza. mess it up. It's hard to really mess it up. And I think a lot of people tend to generalize burgers in the same kind of way. Ooh, but I'm here me. to tell you Mm-mm. that this burger... Is just a whole different experience. It's on a whole other level. Well, that's awesome. All right. So, is there like a? Well, first of all, I'm curious to know where the name came from. Ace number three. Talk to talk to me about that. I wish I had some really riveting thing for you. Yeah, but you can I, make it up. I was I lost really... a horse race. <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, there's too many times where you th- put all this thought process into naming yeah. a restaurant. And you still end up by having to spell it or something, or you just, it never flows the way that you want. And I was like, someday I'm going to, I loved the name Five Church. I thought that yeah. was just a great name. Phonetically, it's strong. Yeah. It has a number in it. I was just like, that's a cool name. So I was like, some, I'm going to, someday I'm going to have a, uh, a place with a number in mm-hmm. it. Nice. And, um, and I wanted a strong phonetic word and so we all got together with partners and team and you yeah. know kicking it around and we did a bunch of stuff but um so the version is is that 
it's easy to say and it has a number I come from sales and marketing like I know how important that kind of stuff is it's it's nice to have like a fluffy story but at the end of it it's got to serve that purpose the three does serve purpose it's uh, there's three partners there we Uh, go we're all left handed which is (gasps) kind of weird we're left handed too yeah that, that is, is bizarre. Awesome. That is bizarre. Is there a glitch in the matrix? Three <laughs> left-handers. That's a lot in one yeah. room. I'm it just is saying. a lot in one room. Yep. All right. That's so, why they actually can never be in the same room together got at it. once. It's got it, got it, got it. You'll yeah. never see Andrew Chapman and myself in the same the room. The world will just implode on itself. <laughs> That's exactly. It's dividing by zero. <laughs> so ace number three, is there? Is there a... And I am going to call myself out here. I have not uh, had the pleasure yet hmm. of enjoying an ace burger but is there like a signature that. burger is there is the there ace. are the there a ace. bunch like the what, ace. what's the main thing so I the main get? thing the whole idea behind this burger place was you know that nostalgic thing that you have when you were a kid that you ate that burger you know that you had whether it was a fast food burger or whatnot like you you know you have this current kind of emotional nostalgic thing about a certain mm-hmm. burger whether it's a backyard burger from your you know, your parents grilling or whatever that is. And so we kind of wanted to play off of that. And we went down the road of the thin patty flat top burger. Yeah, smash that. Um, smash burger. Yeah, that kind of same thing of that uh, just a high heat, um, smooth surface. Um, there's that Maillard happens that when you, the, the protein and the, the heat and all that kind of stuff Brownie and that crunch on there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we like that style of burgers. There's lots of, oh, I think you know, I prefer that to like the That char. is my preference. It's so good. For a burger. And it creates a surface area. You can put more stuff on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we went down that road and then it was, and then it was a, a ton of testing and, and what to do in this stuff. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to keep it really simple. Mm. Uh, less is more is one of our sayings. And so, um, and we wanted just a super simple menu and just and kind of highlight this one burger, which is house-made pickles and comeback sauce. And so and, um, and so about over half of what we sell is the one is that one burger. And then you can build your own. You get doubles and triples and singles and stuff like yeah. that. But, and we have Less a hot is dog. not more for some people. Some <laughs> right. people need two or three. Less choices, I think, is what yeah. it was. Yeah. But I, I, just, I will say this, and y'all can fight me about it. You can call us at our, at our phone number if you want. You can ping us on amuse.boosh.pod. This is the best burger in Charlotte. Hands down. Ooh, that is me fighting, fighting words. words. Wow. I'll take it all day, that, every day. And I that would. will that will create some ruckus because people are crazy excited about their burger. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and very fair. Like, I made some very poor burgers for the 3rd of July <laughs> that we were celebrating, <laughs> and I made up for they it. They were not le- poor. Well, I'll give you that. Okay. Well, the next, like last night, I made up for it by then getting, I did it all on the grill for the big party we had, and then I put out the griddle and did it all my flat top, and there I was just go. like, there you are, baby. I missed there. you. <laughs> like, this is a superior one. But I should have just gone to Ace anyway and had them cater it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was, that's kind of where we went with that. And, and, and we just did it in, you know, a little neighborhood right around the corner from here. And, yeah. um, and it worked out. Do you have a signature French fry? I feel like every burger They've place got, has Okay, to. hold on though, because like something's different about these I'm gonna fries. I'm going to hand that this whole thing over to I you. Just, like, <laughs> I'm like the ambassador for Ace yeah. Number 3, okay? I love this place so much. Um, they have like the fry that you look for when you're looking for a fry. So a lot of times you All see All right, but one, this is a contentious hold, conversation I know, on its own. I know. And again, come this fight me anytime. It really is. This is it. This mm-hmm. is the stuff. But like, you know, when you go and you're like, damn, that's a really good French fry. What's up with that French fry? It's like as if you battered a French fry. I love a shoestring, but this is that kind of fry that's like the perfect balance of starch and crunch. Okay. It's got the right level of salt and it's got like that extra bit of crispy on the outside. Okay, okay. Because like some of them are like married and like you get like two at once. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, it's like that special fry that like, what's going on with these? Like, they why are they really different? It's like, like, they yeah. also travel well. And they that do. was one of the things about that fry is we had to have a fry. Like, we do fresh cut fries at um, the full service restaurants. And we figured out pretty quickly that a fresh cut fry is awesome when it's served you. Yep. And five minutes later, it's it's kind of garbage, right? Yep. As soon as it gets limp and soggy, it's no good. So this fry travels really well. It reheats really well, too. So you can actually stick it in the oven, crisp up a little bit. Real there. talk, can I just tell you that... So I used to live in South Charlotte. So we used to drive all the way up here mm-hmm. to the Belmont neighborhood, get Ace, drive it all the way down to like Pineville. And then I would eat it and then I'd have some leftover fries. So what do I do? Next morning, fry them up with eggs and well, some bacon and do. done. <laughs> Breakfast. That sounds amazing. I love that. That's fantastic. All right. So I have on my list of things to prioritize very soon, uh, getting an, an Ace burger. Uh, but I think for tonight, we might head over to Waterman, Waterman yeah. in South End uh, for a little nightcap. But other than the oysters, obviously, we know that's a right. strong suit for you. 
uh, and we have to try the signature one. Um, What else on the menu there should we prioritize? What's what's like the heavy hitters for you? The heavy hitters are the most popular items for us is is because it's kind of a neighborhood place. Um, The lobster roll sells phenomenally well. It does really really well. Is it Connecticut style? You get your choice. Oh, thank God. You can have Connecticut Connecticut or Maine. But I respect choices. What's the right choice, Paul? Even though I'm from Connecticut, you'd think I'd pick that, but I never will. I'll always pick the colder, a little bit of mayonnaise, just a slight little bit of seasoning. I want the cold salad type of of lobster roll. I respect it. I I love a hot buttered bun with hot buttered lobster. So we do the hot butter no matter what on the bun. We still toast the bread that yeah. way, yeah. Um, but you can choose your your method. I'm not going to turn either one down. Listen, so I, I used to go up and visit Connecticut, and uh, there was like this little town, Haddam, that mm-hmm. uh, they had like an amazing lobster roll and then like fried clam bellies, which what? you can never find clam bellies anywhere here. Yeah, right. So I'm just saying that to you. So the thing about you... clams in the South, people eat them differently yeah. down here. Like a raw bar in Boston will have just as many clams as it will oysters yeah. on the menu. Here we can't give them away. You on get the clam bar. strips down here, like fried, little fried, weird little, weird little rubber bands. That's the thing. Where are the bellies at? That's the best part. Just, anyway, doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, like, if you ever just want to put one minute, I'll I be do there. like I do like clams though. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so it's, roll. yeah, that that um, believe it or not, the hot chicken sandwich sells crazy I'll well. That's a no. Jake okay. Will be there. Yep. We have a, uh, a we have a fisherman's pick, which is a which is a fried fish sandwich, which is awesome. Um, we do a lot of. Um, uh, we do some fresh items there. We have a, a great North Carolina trout, uh, mm. blackened trout. That's a really, oh, yeah. really delicious and Love good. Trout so. all day. Yep. All right, so you teased that you just opened a new waterman in Cornelius. Mm-hmm. That was pretty recently, right? It was. It was um, May. Okay. May yeah. of 2022. So yeah. uh, obviously most of your other locations are within Charlotte proper, but this is your is this your first sort of expansion outward? It is. Um you know, we have six restaurants now because we have three of the burger places. Hey, so um, four or five and six. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 3.1, 3.2. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> um, but um, but it's, uh, so it's a little bit out of there, but it's still in Mecklenburg County. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great to be able to support the restaurants locally. And so we want to, you know, keep growth here as long as we can because it's logistically it's easier on the teams. It's easier to keep culture. It's easier yeah. to gather and get people together and support and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we, we, you know, I, Jamie Lynch is a friend of mine and, but I'm like, you're now going where Denver yeah. after yeah. <laughs> Nashville. And then I see, you know, I'm like, I'm good tired. Lord. I'm tired I, yeah, about I can't that. even think about booking those flights you did all, all your time. travel already yeah, yeah i did i did that. i was a road dog and i yeah i supported a lot of restaurants in a lot of different places and i'm like i want to do it right here that's as great, long as though. i can yeah. Yeah. so how has it been kind of stepping into uh, again not not necessarily like downtown charlotte or within mm-hmm. what what most folks like inside of 485 um has it been well received up in cornelius it is but it's it's different it's a different it's amazing how um different the crowd can be a late yeah. crowd compared to a south end crowd yeah. or uptown or whatever right and in um, some good ways i'm sure so yeah. many flip-flops <laughs> it's just uh like you know people don't like at south end we sell a lot of non-seafood we're just you know we're a neighborhood place and but in cornelius we sell almost exclusively seafood like they don't well, they already have their burger their place they already have their chicken salad mm-hmm. i mean their, their chicken hot chicken place or whatever yeah. like they're coming to us because we're a seafood restaurant so the mix is a lot different. Interesting. And, um, yeah, it's uh, and it's just a different crowd. It's just a you know, it's the a lake it's, people. Yeah, it's the lake people. <laughs> they and that doesn't it mean it's a bad thing. It's just no. a, it's just a different. They drink differently. Yeah, drink a ton of wine up there, and they don't drink a lot of wine in South End. Really? They're hitting the cocktails and beer Probably hard. But also in South End. <laughs> well, they're probably a younger crowd, I would imagine, yeah. also in South End. So maybe that's something to do. It with is. It, yeah. So yeah, we we uh, we sell a ton of uh, yeah, we sell way more wine um uh, up there so those might be yeah. my people but we're busy <laughs> i mean we're definitely busy and and um and uh, it's going great i got a really great management team up there that we're excited about so awesome yeah it's uh it, it, it's good so far yeah so i would ask you know we've learned a lot about the journey that you've had and the different restaurants that you've opened and the different concepts but the thing that you hinted at, at the beginning was that it takes a really special group of people. Mm-hmm. So I would love to just kind of close out on, you know, when you guys are looking to add to your team, 
What is it that, that sparks that culture for you? What is it that you are drawn to that means you're going to have somebody who's definitely going to move into management orientation one day? What is, what what's is the someone... secret sauce? Yeah, what's the secret sauce, Paul? Well, you know, what we do is not, um, you know, it, it's not hard what we do, I don't think. I think it's, it, it's hard work, but it's not necessarily, um, I think 90% of what we can do, we can teach people fairly easily, right? Like if we work with someone on saute and, and mm-hmm. how to cook and cook the piece, perfect piece of fish, like they'll eventually get that. Uh, we have, you know, we have our culture points like most companies do, but one of them we have is, is character over talent. Mm-hmm. And so... We really try to focus on if you don't have the character, if you don't have the hospitality, if you don't innately like love to take care of other people, you just ultimately won't be successful in our company. Um, you could be the greatest chef or the ridiculous bartender, but if you don't love the fact that there are people you're serving and you're ju- genuinely just want to make them happy, then you won't last long. So I think that's what we're always kind of after. If we if we can, we'll take anybody with great character. And we can, it doesn't mean we don't need the other pieces Mm because we don't know how to teach everything. So we do have to hire outside talent. But first and foremost is is that we've got to be able to drill in on the character piece and make sure that they're a good good match for us. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's true in any industry, right? We hear that in the corporate world where it's, you know, you hire for culture fit and you train for the rest of it um, because that's where the longevity comes in. And that's where I think when we think about turnover and, and issues of, you know, short staff that everyone's dealing with right now, putting that sort of um, investment in those folks is really where the return is going to be and and where people can be happy. And you find yourself chasing talent, though, sometimes, you know, because you're like, God, we really need someone that knows how to do this or that. The other thing. And so you do do that. But um, but you can you know, we've you know, we've made the mistake more than once where we've kept somebody on too long on the Mm -hmm. team. Because they really did fill that talent role remarkably, but they were cancerous to the to, right. to, to the culture of the company. And and we've I've, I'm what I'm most proud of probably is that we've empowered our team to be able to call us on that and nice. and be able to say like, look, you know, you're not living up to your own culture by, you know, keeping this person on or whatever that is, you know, or or, or this person in that in that wrong spot or, yeah. or making a, a poor uh, people choice. Um, so we've, I feel like we've, and we have um, empowered our team to be able to not only hold themselves, but also to own, uh, hold the partners together to uh, to the same culture too. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. I like it. I do like it. You know what else I like? What? Paying it forward. Oh, I like paying <gasps> it forward. One of our favorite segments. Okay. So we've yeah. talked a lot about the restaurants that High yep. Tide's got to offer the the area, but where do you like to go, Paul? to pay it forward to some other restaurants and, and bars, et cetera, anywhere you like to eat and drink in the city, where do you like to go when you're hungry oh, and you're not man. at one of your restaurants? On the spot, man. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a huge, um, I think Bruce Moffat does a lot of yeah. things really well. Yeah. So he's just a hard to get that wrong. I mean, you know, he's had places come and go, but you know, hitting Stagione on the right night, you're just not going to get it much better than that. Yep. Um, I think that, um, I think Little Mama's delivers mm-hmm. all the time. So yeah. obviously I like a good Italian meal. Yeah. Um, I, um, I'm a big fan of Fuda Buddha. Yes. Love Fuda um, You know what? My second favorite Brussels sprout. <laughs> now they are Kirk delicious Seller. also. Yeah. They are really good. Have you had them there? I don't think That's I have. That's your assignment. It's yeah. like um, almost like a sticky teriyaki yeah, kind amazing. of sauce, but not overpowering and a little bit of the uh, like the dried fish flake on top. Right. Ooh, oh, my God. I had a little, and, and no, no details, but I had a little run-in with the with the chef owner of that place. Uh-oh. And I was like, I didn't even care because <laughs> the food's so good. I'll go back. <laughs> don't yeah. Bite me. yeah. yeah. I'm good. like, uh, don't ban me. I <laughs> Just wear the big sunglasses every yeah. time you go in, get your ramen fix. I, wanna, <laughs> oh, man. I want that food there. So, um, and so... Um, I think that, uh, gosh, that's really on the spot type of thing. So, but I would say that of the top places that, and good worst, we've mentioned oh, it before oh, yes. the show. i you know, if I'm, if, if I maybe had a possibly been overserved the night before having that egg sandwich with the, uh, with the, um, bologna, uh, no, it's a kielbasa egg and cheese maybe oh, something God. like that it's is that the ridiculous. one on, on the montreal bagel or no the no it's on a kaiser like a oh, great yeah. kaiser yeah. 
That'll cure That'll what cure ails. anything. <laughs> yes. Absolutely anything. Yeah. That's so. awesome. That's yeah. outstanding. Well, Paul, what's next for High Tide Hospitality? I know you guys have a lot on your plate right now. Is there anything on the horizon that we can tease or what's coming up next? Well, you know, we've opened six restaurants in six years. and um, So you're lazy is what you're saying. So <laughs> we... We had we that's a tough on the team, sure, right? It's uh, you know, it's been um, and so I, right now we're in kind of a uh, building mode to be able to, if we are going to have more growth, we've got to be able to sustain that. We got to be able to uh, have the right people and then also give the right support to where it needs to. And, and we stretched when we opened Lake Norman, we really stretched our um, high tide team really thin. And, um, and I don't like doing it. Sure. There's a guilt association with sure. really pushing people too far. And we did push people too far on that opening. And so um, it, the idea is if we are going to grow, we've got to get these other pieces in place to make sure that we can do it responsibly and not, you know, burn people out and everything else. So, yeah. so in the meantime, we're just doing the absolute best in the areas where you already are on the six restaurants. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and the thing is, is that um, we are actually um, – with the Ace Burger, and I hope I'm you, looking at him very intensely. I'm scared a little bit. Oh God! But we're actually got a better beef burger. What and when can I get it? <laughs> uh, starting next Monday in Myers okay, Park. Okay, great. Yeah. I will be there next Monday in Myers Park. <laughs> oh my gosh! So we we like did homework. a bunch of R and D. We've and so this is constant never ending improvement. Is you want to get um, you know you want to make sure that you're doing everything the best you can, and we went. We took our burger and we went to a, du- a bunch of other burgers. We were like, we could actually make this better. We could do a better job with this thing. So um, we have a, actually a better uh, beef coming out and that kind of stuff. So. I can't wait. I will better be there Monday. Beef. That's yeah. awesome. That's- Fingers crossed you love it. If, if not, I'm coming marching I- right back to your office and knocking on the door. <laughs> She'll let you know. She will. Bur- uh, but she's burger gone. In I can face. tell. That's yeah. right. Okay. The true Texan here. She knows her beef. I know my beef. <laughs> well, Paul, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking with what you and learning and and it's been great hearing just that you have these expectations for continuous improvement and quality and really taking care of the industry here in Charlotte. So thank you so much for joining I've, us tonight. It's been an honor. I, pre- I really appreciate it. We thank can't you. wait to go eat some oysters We're here going in a right now. <laughs> hey, folks. Abby here. Just wanted to follow up on a few things that we discussed in this episode. True to our word, the minute we wrapped up our interview with Paul... Jen and I headed straight over to the Waterman, and we were treated to an incredible sampling of the oysters that were on their menu in that rotation. Strongly recommend getting out there. We had a wonderful time. Now, what about the Ace Number 3 burger? Abby's favorite burger in Charlotte, and then Paul decides they're going to go and change it. All right, I went. That Monday, right after we recorded, I was there at 1101. I opened the door, and there is Paul with the rest of the team. And sure enough, he hands me a burger And it's still my favorite burger in Charlotte. They were able to improve upon the recipe. I fully support the choices that they made. Go and try one. If you haven't tried Ace Number 3 before, you're not going to be disappointed one way or the other. For this batch, my name is Jen. My name's Abby. And this has been Amuse Boosh. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com